From the Selfish Path to Romance, download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com. Why don't you stop drinking? Anybody can be a drunk. <sighs> Anybody can be a non-drunk. It takes a special talent to be a drunk. It takes endurance. Endurance is more important than truth. And notice that if you're an alcoholic, you train yourself to lie to yourself. You come up with all these rationalizations about why it's fine. You can hold your alcohol. You're not really, it's not a problem for you. It may be for other people. And besides, it's none of their business. And you deserve to have some good things in life. All of those have names that psychologists give them. They're either called rationalizations, which are lies to yourself, or permission-giving beliefs. They're lies that you say to yourself, beliefs that you hold on to despite the evidence, in order to continue your bad behavior, your destructive path. And it's not until you catch those things that you say to yourself and challenge them and have the motivation to change that you'll actually do it. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner and my show is The Rational Basis of Happiness and it's an opportunity for you to call and ask a psychologist, that's what I am, a clinical psychologist, a question and it's not therapy but it gives you um, some advice that may give you a new perspective on something or point you in the right direction. And I want to welcome Kathy to the show. Kathy, you have a problem with um, something that your son saw, saw, a disturbing movie scene? Yeah, he saw a movie when he was over at a sleepover, and he claimed that um, the couple was having sex. And ever since he saw this movie, which has been probably two to three weeks ago now, he apparently is having visions in his mind of, like, either his dad or myself having sex with somebody. And, like, it's always, like, a close friend of ours or something. Oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, very. Yeah. So, first, what do you, how old is he? He's eight years old. Um, the, the first thing that strikes me is how good that he's open with you. He's you know? very open, and actually, the first time he told us about it, he was crying because he knew that it was, you know, the wrong thing to be thinking about and stuff. Yeah. And my advice to him was just to pray and, and you know, ask God to not give him these thoughts and stuff. And he did that, but it's like every single day he's bringing this up to me. Yeah. Okay. Um, the problem with it, tell me what you think the problem might be with praying and asking uh, placing the, what in psychology is called the locus of control outside of himself, saying that God will change it, or something outside of him will change it. Right. It, it makes him feel more powerless, actually. Okay. As opposed to saying, you know, we all have thoughts like, we all have occasional thoughts that we don't like, and instead of telling him he had, and you, I know you're not doing this, he's asking you, how do I get rid of these thoughts? Right. If he treats them as, oh my God, here are those awful thoughts again. I'm having those images in my mind, or I'm picturing mom and dad, or mom with, you know, dad's best friend or something. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> which is embarrassing. Um, but you can say, you know, honey, that can happen all the time. It's not a big deal. That tends to make it feel like it's not that abnormal for him. Because people have thoughts all the time, and what are called intrusive thoughts, and healthy people have intrusive thoughts. Healthy okay. people do. What happens when you get like an obsessive-compulsive disorder is a person, uh, let's say that a good parent is 
angry with her kid and she walks in and I'm going to make this very low key and she sees a book and she pictures herself hitting her kid with a book and she's never hit her kid uh-huh. uh, and she just says oh my god oh my god what if I ever did that that could be the beginning of an anxiety disorder Instead of saying, oh, I know I would never do that. It's just, it's just right, a mood right. that I'm in. Right. If she treats it as more, more of a matter-of-fact situation, she doesn't underscore and highlight it and bold it in her mind as something she has to run away from. Okay. If, uh, for example, let's say that um, when you tell your mind, don't think about X, and one of the examples that I use often is, uh, don't think about, I think I heard this example once, a pink elephant, like Dumbo, <laughs> floating in the air. Mm-hmm. So I don't want you to think about Dumbo at all for the next 10 seconds. So, okay, Kathy? <laughs> don't think about it. Okay. Right, I see your point there. Okay, are you already thinking about it? Right. It's impossible not to think about the pink elephant. Any idea why? Why? Why is that? Why do we do that? It, 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 listen, to, listen to me give myself the command. If, if you had told me, Kathy, Ellen, don't think about a pink elephant. I'm saying, okay, I really want to obey Kathy. You know, she's a good friend and I want to obey her. So what is it that, what's the instruction she gave me? She told me, don't think of, a, oh my God, there it is again. Because every time I give myself the instruction, don't think of the pink elephant, I paint the picture in my mind of a pink elephant. Right. So a don't command, don't think of something, actually makes you think of it more, and right. then you don't know how to get rid of it. And praying won't help. Okay. You know, praying is it makes the person even feel that less powerless, because I mean, that more powerless. Right. Um, so the best thing to do is to just say, you know, you've had some fleeting thoughts, and, you know, I've had that, that too, I've had that happen, but I would give him a different type of example. Uh, for example, when I, w- I would give my kid an example of, you know, when I was a kid, this is true, I had a night, I saw dogs and cats, and I was afraid of them. I was a little tyke, and dogs can be bigger than me, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember, we didn't have dogs or cats in our household, and I remember having nightmares of dogs and cats chasing me. And I didn't know how to get rid of those nightmares, and I just had to not make a big deal about them. And then they started to fade. Occasionally I'd have, to have them, but I'd say, okay, big deal. You right. know, it's not a big deal. And that may help him see that it's not a big problem. The fact that it's sexual makes it real heightened. I, I know. You know, there's a second issue, which is that I was, I was a stickler with my kids. Um, I did not want them to see things that gave them the wrong view of the world before they were ready to cope with it. Right. And when they were really young, I thought it was very important for them to watch the news. (laughs) You know, I wanted educated kids. (laughs) And I turned on the news, and what do you see at the beginning of every news broadcast? Yeah, terrible things, exactly. A car accident, how many people killed, or something blows up, or a fire. And I thought... What am I introducing them to? There's so much good news in the world, but in the news business they have, if it bleeds, it leads. The lead story is going to be the bloodiest story. Right. So I stopped showing my kids the news. Right. Be- and with movies, I would show them really good movies, but my, my husband and I would go through and we'd cut out the violent scenes. I would cut out the sexual scenes until they got a little older, and then I cut out the bad sexual scenes. But if there was a very nice romantic one, 
as they were getting older, you know, hugging and kissing, maybe right. not explicit mm-hmm. sex, but I wanted them to see examples of good parents having good, or people having good relationships. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I was selective, and my daughter even remembers at a Girl Scout function where I came in front of her, I came in front of the TV with a big sheet and covered the scenes I didn't want the kids to oh. see. <laughs> And she just remembers this this scene. It was a cute movie, but I remember it had a couple of scenes in it that were were um uh they just had a bad guy in it and uh so you know I went in and covered it so uh so I would find out who the parents are. I would call and ask what do you know what they saw what movie Well, he told me it was a movie failure to launch okay, I never saw it. I haven't seen it either, but i you know, and really, I don't think he knows what sex is. I, I think it, he's told me that he thinks that it's a couple laying down in bed and kissing a lot. Oh, that's sweet. And I hope it was a good scene. As a parent, as much as painful as it might be, I would want to see the movie that tortured my kid in private without letting him, you right. know, just privately with your hubby maybe too, so you can get the, his context. Because it may have been nothing bad that he saw, right. or it may have been... Well, that's been, what I'm thinking. Yeah. I don't think it's a dirty movie or anything. Wonderful. I, I just think... Then you can help him put it in context and if all he pictures is you hugging the you know one of your your husband's buddy just say oh yeah we like each other you know then it's a light touch it's not explicit sex when they get older there are books by peter maley m-a-y-l-e I think they're on my website, drkenner.com, which, which talks about sex, and it doesn't. It's done in a very tasteful is it way. A, is it a book? Did you say? Yeah, they're the kids' books. But when he gets to about the puberty age, those are good books to introduce um, kids to sex. But you want to read it first to make sure you're at home with them, right? And you want to find the right age to and introduce it. And that was Doctor Peter Maley, M-A-Y-L-E. I don't think it's Doctor Peter M-A-Y-L-E. Right, but it's at my website, too. Okay, and that's for more puberty aids. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for your call. Yes, thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. And I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner, and my show is The Rational Basis of Happiness. And coming up, if you're a veteran, you can come home, and you can feel like everything's really nice for a certain length of time. And then it may hit you, all the trauma that you've been through, and it makes it very hard for you to continue. Um, It makes it hard to integrate back into family life, in quotes. Coming up, I'll be talking with Jay White, who works with veterans. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner on the Rational Basis of Happiness. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the serious romance guidebook by Drs. Kenner and Locke. In his book, The Great Sex Secret, veteran sex educator Kim Marshall notes that women often lack intimate satisfaction because neither partner understands the essential role of specific body stimulation in achieving satisfaction. It is essential that partners openly communicate their preferences. Once you both accept that intimacy is pleasure for two, let yourselves experiment with variations in technique and style. Find out what you each like and then ask for it in a mutually respectful way. I'd really like to try X, or it feels really good when you do Y. Partners need to banish embarrassment about intimacy. Remember, intimate pleasure is one of the greatest gifts of being human, and it is both good and important in your lives together. Download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com and at amazon.com.